You're listening to High Performance. This is what we've got lined up today. I had this chat with Louis van Gaal and then he told me, OK, Robin, um, I'm the coach, you are the player and uh, you have to go. Your time is up. I was like, uh, yeah, but I still have a contract. He said, yeah, I don't care. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi there, I'm Jay Comfrey. You're listening to High Performance, the podcast that delves into the minds of some of the most successful athletes, visionaries, entrepreneurs and artists on the planet and aims to unlock the very secrets to their success. Look, everyone needs a professor in their life, and mine is also an author and an expert in the success of sports teams. It's Damien Hughes. Look, Damien, as a Man United fan, I imagine you're looking forward to this. Very much looking forward to it. This is somebody that was a, um, a catalyst uh, when they came into Manchester United, so I'm intrigued to find out a little bit more about the mentality of a catalyst. Well, let's get going then and welcome a footballer who is arguably one of the greatest strikers to win the Premier League, a cult hero at Arsenal. He controversially left to join their arch rivals at the time at Manchester United and immediately achieved his aim of winning the title. These days, the former Dutch international spends his time working as a pundit for BT Sport, but it's his career as a top-level athlete that we are really interested in. Robin Van Persie, welcome to High Performance. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Nice to be with you. Right, let's yep. get straight into it then. In yes. your mind... Mm -hmm. What is high performance? Uh, performing at the highest level, you know, uh, and that's always difficult because at the highest level um, you have to compete with opponents who are on a similar level, uh, but you still want to be better than them. But that process is a, is a long process to uh, reach that goal, you know, to uh, be on that level, which is satisfying for yourself, you know, because that, that's a long process. So when did you think that you... Thank you. Achieved high performance, I'm Robin. Well, in my mind, uh, when I was at my highest level, I was about 27, 28, personally. So that's a very long uh, road until that moment. From, and that starts basically from very young, from five, six years old. You, you start that process without realizing it. But um, yeah, I was at my peak personally, mentally, physically. Um, around that age. So how would you have defined yourself so when you were delivering high performance at that age yeah. beyond the physical attributes of being fast and fit and strong what were the sort of behaviours that you would describe you were demonstrating during that time of high performance? Yeah, During that period everything came together. It's like physically, mentally uh, more in balance. Um, I was quite impulsive when I was younger 
in my reactions, the way I was talking, the way I was behaving, the way I was playing. And that slowly changed over the years because uh, just by basically um, uh, listening, looking, learning and improving myself as a person at the start. And then I brought that back into football because at one point I uh, realized that every game was such a struggle and I didn't really want that. I didn't want to have a constant struggle. In what way was it a struggle? It's like because the opponents found out that um, if, if they triggered me, if they talked to me in a, in a certain way or if they did all those things, uh, they could get me sent off. What would wind you up? It was going both ways because if, if the opponent was like stepping on my toes and sort of trying to bully me, I was going really hard and uh, I was going against it. But in the end, uh, after a couple of, uh, after a period, I started to think about that and then it made sense to me. I was like, okay, the yeah, reaction I have, I shouldn't have that reaction. I shouldn't go against it. I should stand above it. So that is like a process of a couple of years because if I go against it, and it will, um, then it's, it's such a struggle. It was, I was just like mentally, physically, I was drained after every match for quite a long time, from the age of 23 till 26. And then I realized that I was like constantly um, fighting, you know? And as, as well, I was, um, if I missed a chance, for example, that, that's a process as well. I was very emotional after I missed a chance. I was like constantly, ah, no, and showing the world how disappointed I was. And then, at one point, I was like, yeah, but that's weakness somewhere, you know, then, because then the opponent sees that I'm disappointed and that I'm not happy with myself. So I slowly started to change that. And I was like, okay, you know, if I don't show my uh, weakness, then they don't have like, if I don't react on the uh, bullying, if I don't react, uh, if I miss a chance, then I become stronger and better. And once I started to do that, I uh, talked with Arsene Wenger about this as well. Everything became lighter, you know? It was so heavy. It was for all those years, it was heavy, but I was making it heavy. Yeah. It just, I just needed a couple of years to realize that. But what I find interesting on that, Robin, is that I think that takes real courage to have that reflection because mm. what you'd been doing had obviously worked for you. You know, like when you look back at the start of your career of, of, of leaving ex-Chelsea and then the run-ins yep. that you'd had with... Uh, the coach at Feyenoord, yeah. that you'd obviously been fighting and, and resisting it and you'd still been achieving success. Yeah, but that was because of the love of the game, because I truly love football from the bottom of my heart. I love it. And that is what uh, well, sort of saved me in a way because I made some stupid mistakes over the years, you know, some silly ones. Or what sort of things did you do? From arguing to uh, with all the players, you know, it's it's like... You have to know your place as well. In, in football, it's like when you're young, that's your place. You have to earn the right, basically. And uh, I wasn't doing that. I was, I was very impulsive. I was very against the rules somehow. So why was I doing that? Why was I against the... Um, what do you say? I, I wonder whether you almost felt you needed to be like that to show you cared and to show you wanted to be the best. You know, you didn't want to just cruise into training and cruise through training and cruise through a game. You almost felt you needed to have a battle every game to show yeah. your teammates and yourself. Yeah, this it was going to too far. It was going too far and was becoming a problem because I wasn't creating nice stuff. I was making problems for myself. I wasn't really expressing myself good enough just to solve the problem because most 
problems started with communication. If you just talk about it in a normal way, you can solve a lot of uh, possible uh, problems. And so over the years, I uh, kept asking questions and I, I even wrote stuff down to myself. So at one point at Arsenal, after two years, I wasn't satisfied. I wasn't happy. It was going okay, but not good enough. So I started to write um, a letter to myself. What are my positives and what are my negatives? Wow. And then I noticed that I was lying to myself. <laughs> I was I was making myself look or feel better. <laughs> really? So, yeah. So by by reading it back, I think nah, that, that that's not true, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> And did you do that on your own, or, or did your Just wife myself. help you with that? Yeah, well, I was I was, I was talking with my wife a right. lot and with my uh, friends, and then th that is something as well. Friends have an influence. Everyone in your life has have an influence, and you need to uh, at one point you need to be very uh, honest to yourself. If those people in your life, whoever it is, if it's your wife or your friends or your family, have a positive impact on your life. And uh, I think if you uh, aim for um, to be the best in your sport, in this case, you have to be ruthless at one certain point. You have to cut out the people uh, who bring negativity. And um, uh, that is very hard. Uh, How did you do it? Because there will be people listening to this podcast and they're not professional athletes. Yes. But they find their life is made more difficult by the people around them or maybe yes. they drain them. What process did you go through to decide quite ruthlessly, who could no longer be part of your life? At one point, I was um, ending up in situations where I just didn't want to end up in. And it wasn't my fault. It was the fault of the people I was around with. And I was thinking, yeah, but okay, this is not bringing me further. You know, I have a dream. I want to live my dream. Because I had this romantic idea of um, my childhood friends. They, they should always stay with me. They should always stay connected. And uh, I want them in my life forever. But, okay, we have a different life. So at one point, I just made a roundup of what they bring, what they offer me, because I'm giving them time. Um, in some cases, I gave them money. I uh, tried to help them. But what do they give me? Uh, they, they have to, at one point, they have to um, accept what the, what, the, what the situation is of their life and my life. And they have to sort of uh, somehow live by those unwritten rules. And um, uh, some of my childhood friends didn't do that. So they could not um, follow. They could not follow me because I was going fast in my life. So I just rounded it up. Do they bring something positive in my life? Anything. Even if it's something small, it's fine. Yeah. But they weren't at one certain point. And then I just invited them. And I said to two of my childhood friends, I said, guys, I said, I love you. I respect you. But I have different dreams than you guys. So it will stop here. Wow. It was tough. And how old were you when you were having this conversation? Uh, 24, 25. Wow. Yeah, and these guys I knew from a young age. I said, because you, have, you, you make different choices, you have different priorities than me, and I can't have that. I can't have ne uh, negativity in my life because you know, this is where I want to go to. And if I have to constantly lose energy on you guys, it's not going to help me. That's ruthless. That's hard. Um, but I felt that I, I needed to do that. There's a really nice way of describing that, that it's often we talk about the people that come with us are with us for seasons, reasons, or lifetimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have periods, you have phases with, with people in your life. In my case, because I'm quite intense, I'm all or nothing. So I had to bring that level down of myself as well. I had to take it a little bit softer. That was a process of many years as well. 
So I, uh, in my private life, I started to have friendships which were lighter, not so intense. And that cost less energy, you know. So I could focus more on football. But the main thing, I think, for everyone who's listening as well is that keep asking yourself even stupid questions, you know. Keep asking them um, to yourself and write letters to yourself of how, how it's going. Do you remember what was in the letters? Yeah, it was, it was like, uh, but that letter I wrote to myself was more about, um, about me as a player, uh, uh, what I liked about myself, what uh, I could improve. What, what, from memory, what could you improve? What did you write down in the improved uh, Goals. I should uh, score more goals. Um, it was, I, sh- I should make more runs in behind by talking to uh, Saul Campbell, Jeremy Henry, uh, Bergkamp, Pires, all these guys. Saul told me once, he said, Robin, he said, the way you play is a dream for a defender like me. I said, why? Tell me why. He said, because you want every ball on your feet. You have to force me to make, make, uh, make a choice, you know, to close you down or to follow you. You have to make runs in behind. So I was like, okay, hang on. Then I came up with the rule, okay, out of three actions, at least one of them needs to be in behind because I have to hurt the defenders because Saul Campbell told me he doesn't like it, yeah. you know. So I, I was like constantly asking myself questions and listening, listening to uh, players who were better than me. What you're describing is something that... Uh is sometimes referred to as the Zander letter. And it's named after, there's a conductor in Boston called Benjamin Zander. Mm-hmm. And um, when he was teaching sort of appreciation of music and and the arts and things like that, one of the things he found with his uh, students was that they got too caught up in the result that they were getting yeah. rather than learning about the process of yeah. appreciating music. So he used to get them to write a letter mm-hmm. to themselves but base it 12 months in the future and talk about all the things uh-huh. that they were going to achieve and all the things they were going to learn to love about music. Yeah, yeah. I had a chat with a, a colleague of mine. Um, I, I, I will not name his name because he's, he's still playing. <laughs> but he, had this, uh, he came up with this idea. I was listening to him for an hour, getting bored. He was like, yeah, I will buy 50 apartments and I will get a grant per apartment and this is how I make my money. And uh, he, he was playing in the Premier League back then. And then after one hour, he asked me what my opinion was. I said, but if you want to make money, you should work on your first touch and your header. You know, I said, this is what you should uh, work on. Because if you do that, you will make 10 times more than this grant per apartment. I said, if you fix that, you will be a world-class player. And did he take your advice? No, he didn't listen. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't listen. But to be fair to him, he had a good career. He had an okay career, but could be better, should be better. I wonder how different though that that Robin Van Persie is to the Robin Van Persie who was a petulant youth team player causing problems. I, th- I think that often when people first start out, whatever their career, and yeah. this isn't just about football, everyone starts out selfish because it's yes. about me achieving my aims and my ambitions yes. for my life. And I think it takes time to get to a point where, and I think we would both agree, you know, we're all in our, you're not quite in your 40s yet, but we're Almost. in our 40s. And it, life becomes about building other people up. And it's one of the best feel. It's a, almost a better feeling yeah. than achieving yourself is yeah, helping now. other people to thrive. But you, it's hard to do that when you're 15, 16. No, it's, it's a, this is a very deep one because will you get to this stage without being selfish earliest, earlier stages? So you have to be selfish in the beginning to get the success to then be selfless and pass it on. Uh, yeah, I maybe. think so. 
I think so. To to actually achieve what you want to achieve, to be able to give back, mm. you have to be selfish. Then football is ruthless. And at any business, it's like that. So you have to be selfish and you have to come up for yourself. You have to, in a team, in any team, in any business, you have to uh, make sure that your position is there, safe. Because otherwise you get eaten. Well, I'm, I'm interested in, say, like your experience of going into Manchester United. Yeah. So you, so you'd been through a period of uh, Arsenal where you hadn't been winning a lot, and it had almost felt like there was a certain drift yeah. or a malaise. And then you went into an environment where you were expected to win the title. You came in, yeah. and there was a. It seems to me like a very different culture. What was your experience of that? Um, yeah, it was a different world if you compare Arsenal with Manchester United. Um, but I was, I was. Yeah, ready for that uh, world. You know, it was a, it was a, um, you know, as a player, as a young player, it was it was much easier to get into the Arsenal uh, team, into the Arsenal philosophy with the coach like Arsene. And uh, Manchester United is like a like a like a beast. You know, you have to you have to perform back in the day. So there was there was a different experience for me, but I was ready for that. You know, and. Um, like all those years of like asking questions and uh, becoming better on all levels uh, did help me to be ready for a challenge like that. And what would you say was the, the biggest difference then that you noticed when you went into Manchester United? If you're winning, everything is beautiful, you know, the whole, because the, the impact of Manchester United was uh, bigger in terms of, you know, worldwide in the amount of fans, etc. the size of the club. But if you look at uh, when it doesn't go well, you know, at Arsenal, if it doesn't go well, you have your coach who protects you, you have your players who protect you. But Manchester United, you're on yourself, you're alone. You can, uh, no one protects you. And, um, Is that healthy? No, it's, it's tougher, it's ruthless. Um, and I've experienced that in my second year, when things weren't going well. I was still scoring 18 goals that second year, scoring 12 for the national team. So it's not a bad season or something. But people were ruthless, it's not good enough, bang. Then you're on, on your own. And uh, that was sort of like a period where I was thinking, yeah, but I'm, I'm not that bad, you know. <laughs> I was telling myself, I'm not that bad of a player. I'm uh, still scoring. Okay, maybe I'm, I'm not like last season or whatever, but it was just ruthless, hard. And then I had to, uh, in my last uh, season, uh, I had this chat with Louis van Gaal, I think I chatted with you about the check, um, where I had two very good season with the national team. Then I worked, uh, okay, the, the season, his first season, my last season at Manchester was not great. And then um, I had this chat with Louis van Gaal and then he told me, okay, Robin, um, I'm the coach, you are the player and uh, you have to go. Your time is up. I was like, uh, yeah, but I still have a contract. He said, yeah, I don't care. He said, wow. Did you see it Proofless. Coming? Yeah, towards the end of it, I saw something coming, but not this ruthless. And the way he said it as well. Um, and then, like a lot of things go through your mind, you know, when, when you get a message like that. Um, because I still have a contract. My family was happy. It was my 11th year in England. We uh, love living in England. What's next? You know, my kids going to school. They have their friends and everything. So in, a, in like a split second, all these things come across. Mm. And how, how do you react to that, you know? I said, okay, I said, we will see what happens. I said, that's your opinion. I said, uh, but I have a contract and I'm happy in England and uh, at Manchester United and my family is as well. So we will see what happens. 
Um, and I just shook his hand, stood up. I was at the golf club in May, stood up and um, left it. And how quickly did you decide that on the training pitch and in games you would you would attempt to change his mind and prove to him that he's made a mistake? Well, on the way back home, uh, I was thinking, hmm, okay, this is this is tough, you know. This is uh, so. How how do you react to a message like that? You know, that ruthless, that hard, that direct. And then uh, loads of things uh, came through my mind, and we uh, started preseason. Then I wasn't allowed to play in the eleven against eleven. I uh, got hey, you got a ball and do your own stuff. So I was like, okay, hang on. So you try to stay calm, stay cool. You know what I mean. But it, there's there's like loads of things happening. You're, you're playing the macho uh, card. Like okay, doesn't affect me. Doesn't do this, but it does affect me and my family and and my career. You know, yeah, sure. big time. Maybe at that point it was good for me to talk to someone outside my inner circle, but I was too uh, stubborn as well to do that. Now, if I look back at it, there were maybe a couple of points in my career where I should have done that. I had that feeling like like a life coach or a mental uh, trainer. Um, I always had this feeling, yeah, but these people will create problems instead of solving them. So I kept them at distance. And uh up until today, I never had a session uh, with, with a- uh, anyone in that way. But now I'm open to it. And maybe it's partly age, experience. Um, but um, if I look back at my career, could have been a good case if I uh, would have talked to someone like that at this particular moment, sure, for example. Yeah. But it's often said that like the best managers are the best psychologists as well. So who would you say was the best coach you had that got the best out of you as an individual? Well, I was lucky uh, to have such great coaches. And, um, but Arsene, Arsene was so intelligent. Uh, he was, you could talk to him about anything. And um, what I learned from him as well, and this is like, is that when you talk to Arsene, he's not answering straight away, maybe you know that. He's letting the question in first, then he checks you out when you have a normal conversation. He checks you from the front, from the left, from the right, then he answers. So I was like, I'm way too soon with my answers, you know. And sometimes I think, ah, my answer's too fast, you know. I, I should have thought about it a bit longer. And then I saw him doing that in interviews and in, uh, just by chatting to him. I was thinking, okay, I, I will pick that up from him. You know, that's that's clever. Just so you were learning more than just football for Martin Wenger? Yes, very much. And yeah, he's a professor in uh, maths, in uh, German, English, such a clever guy. I was learning as well off the pitch by looking at Bergkamp, even how they had their lunch. Early days, I had my lunch, like quick, 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 bang, in, out, always on the, on, on the go. Yep. And then I saw these guys, they were putting their jacket on the seat and they were talking <laughs> before they were eating, they were making jokes. Then they enjoyed their lunch. Then they had a nice uh, cup of coffee. It was just so tranquilo, so relaxed, you know? And I was, I was so everything except relaxed. I was all over the place. I read a story, Ian Wright told that when he shared with Dennis Bergkamp and he saw him wearing uh, pyjamas and he said that he started to wear pyjamas because Dennis Bergkamp did on a way trip. So yeah, yeah, you're in good company in terms of uh, copying him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, of course, yeah. Yeah, Dennis Dennis was a very interesting uh, person, character, player. It's like off camera, he's one one of the funniest guys you will ever see, especially in English. So funny, so dry. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's just when when the camera when the lights go on, he, 
um, he's, he, he's shy, you know, almost, but very clever, clever guy. And I learned a lot by just looking at him. Yeah. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So when you've spent your formative football years with Arsene Wenger and he's taught you so much more than just football, yeah. almost like a father figure, lots of players talk about him like that. Mm-hmm. How difficult was the conversation the day when you went to him to explain what had to change at Arsenal for you to yeah. stay? Uh, well, there was actually uh, before our uh, like last decisive chat, uh, there was an Austrian training camp. Before that, uh, we were um, changing our philosophies of, of how, the, how to bring the club forward. Um, but it was not only between me and Arsene, because it was, like I told you before, uh, there was more happening with, with Ivan, of course, and then the way he behaved and he um, handled the whole situation. Um, Do you want to talk about that? If I look back at that whole situation, is that, um, you know, in that situation, I have to look at myself as well, where I could have done better or could have done something differently. If I look back at that, that open letter, I didn't mention it during our show with BT, um, that open letter, I shouldn't have done that. You know, if you look back at that, it is impossible to, in, a, in such a delicate, difficult situation of uh, making a transfer after spending so much time at Arsenal, um, to make a decision to write an open letter to tell my truth mm. in two pages is, is impossible. And where did you do that, sorry, Robin? Where was the letter? Yeah, I think right. back then I went to the newspaper because there was not... Uh, in the Telegraph, media. I think. They ran yeah. out, something right. like that. So I did that. And uh, that was because I was disappointed with Ivan, with his behavior. Um, but I could not go into detail about what exactly then, you know, because he, it's just impossible to uh, tell the whole uh, story behind it. And partly was uh, the fact that Aston didn't offer me a deal. Okay, but um, so that was, that was um, if I look back at that, I should have done that better. Because the difficult thing for Arsenal fans, even now, yeah. 
is, you know, we talk about the fact they didn't offer you a deal, but yeah. then when you released the, the statement to the papers, you said you've decided not to stay. Yeah, and is that, exactly. For Arsenal fans, it's still a difficult yeah. period and, and to I get, get their heads that, around. But I can know, they still don't quite understand it, I don't think. I can promise you, uh, on uh, my kids, if everyone, if if someone comes with proof that Arsenal offered me a deal, I will give you a million now, today. Yeah. But so, did you make it almost impossible to offer you a deal because you were so demanding, because you were so desperate to win the Premier no, League? No, it was, it was Arsenal, yeah, Arsenal's decision not to offer me uh, a deal. And... Um, that is up to them, you know. Uh, at, at the, after many conversations, it came clear that uh, we had uh, different ideas. And what was it that you think was lacking? Like, what what did you need from Arsenal at that time to convince you? No, to I stay? had I had seven points uh, where I thought Arsenal could improve, and in my opinion, they, those seven points should um, uh, they should start with dealing with them straight away to be able to compete with the best teams. Do you remember what they were? Yeah, but you know, it it's, doesn't really matter what points they are. The, the, what matters is that um, um, Ivan decided um, that he didn't agree on one single point of those seven points, which is fair enough. So taking that information um, on board, so Arsenal doesn't offer me a deal. Uh, they didn't agree with my views. You know, and my views were only to help. You know, it was like honest views of how the club should move forward. That's a very clear message. You know, for me, it is not an issue anymore. We, we, I'm now talking with you about it for the second time, and that is fine. Uh, it is not an issue for me. It's That's life. That's life at the top. You know, uh, clubs, uh, businesses make decisions, you know, and players as well, in this case, uh, do as well. And I'm perfectly happy how, how it ended up. You know, I went to Manchester United. I uh, We won the league. Um you know, so it's it's perfectly fine for me, and I'm not angry with Ivan. You know, and I'm grateful to have um, worked with Arsene for eight years. He played such a, a crucial part in my career. I can honestly say that without his influence, uh, I would not be the player I and uh, ended up with uh, in the end. So I'm thankful. I'm happy and thankful. It's just that there are certain facts you, you can't look away from. You know, it's it's just how it was. Um, and is it hard when you can't talk because you you know you played through injuries you dedicated yeah. yourself every day you trained hard you loved the club loved the fans loved the manager yeah I did and then yeah. when when it all when the fallout happens yeah you just have to kind of accept it and I I always you know whether it's football or something else I think that's a very difficult position for a human being to yes. be in where you're like hold on that's your you've seen ten percent of the truth and you've made the other ninety yeah. percent up you know yeah but I do yeah sort of realize that 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 people have their uh, judgment ready based on 10% like you yeah. said or and uh that is how it is but uh honestly I can you know I'm I'm grateful for Arsenal for the years I've I've played there for Arsene um well Ivan and me didn't really click uh that can happen as well but you know it's a big man's world and uh, there is a, a moment where you have to uh move on you know and uh, like I said as well with uh, sometimes in the top it can be ruthless, you know, uh, sometimes in your favour, sometimes against you. But to come back on this topic, as well, how do you deal with that? You know, How do you deal with uh, such things who have such a big impact on your life? You know, Key to that is uh, communicating, keep talking. And although some situations can be very difficult, stay open for others. Because I know a lot of colleagues of mine as well who tend to close up. 
You know, when things become difficult, they close up and they stop to talk to anyone. Yeah. But that is not a solution. You should should stay yourself, stay open, keep asking questions, and um, stay friendly. You know. And so you made a comment earlier, Robin, where you spoke about when you first, as a young player, you had to know your place in terms of what you could yeah. say and what you could challenge. Yeah. When did you feel that? it was your place to go and make these seven points and challenge the culture and what you saw the club needed to do. Yeah, that was my uh, period when I was the captain, top scorer. Uh, that was the period where I felt that, you know, my views would count. Right. And uh, as a 20-year-old kid, your views of how the club should move forward don't really count. You know, Then you have to fight for your place, uh, be quiet and learn and um, be a better uh, player, try to be a better player every day. I was 28 back then, sure. 29. You know, I felt, you know, uh, that that it was my right to give my honest opinion. Sure. It sounds like you were isolated on your own in terms of that the club decided to reject you from the from organization. Input, yeah. Do you feel you could have recruited other characters within that dressing room that had equal weight or equal credibility to enhance your argument? Yeah, good point. Um for example, some colleagues did came up and did wanted to support me, but I said no, because for one reason is that I didn't want to put them in a difficult place. I didn't want to put them in my place because it was my uh, right to to speak out, and I, I was the captain, you know, of that team. So, in my opinion, if I would bring two or three other guys who shared my opinion, it would put them in a difficult place. I will not do that because. You know, uh, I, I will take the blame. I will uh, live live with the consequences, whatever they are. But I don't want to put you you guys into this position. It's not an easy thing, is it, for a football club to say actually that footballer, that individual player, can help to change the culture of of this football club. But maybe that's the healthiest thing. The healthiest thing to do at a football club is to take the input mm -hmm. from an experienced pro, a 19-year-old who can tell you yeah. what the pathway is like from the academy, from the person that serves the lunch. Everyone, I think, not just in football, but in life, everyone should be able to add to a culture. I think so too. Clive Woodward used to talk about it, that the trouble is when you're a head coach, everyone tries harder in the gym, everyone runs a bit faster. Yeah. So you never but see the, the question truth. is, what's happening when you're not in the gym? It's a very the, good point. It's a very good point, but the, um, at the clubs, they, they tend to um, have to sort of create that feeling like, okay, you are a football player, you should stick to playing football. Well, uh, I am more of the type of guy, you know, even the kitman, his, his opinion, I would like to know, yeah. you know, especially him, because he's right in the middle of that team. What is the reason why this, some presidents or people in higher functions behave like that? And the only reason I can come up with is that they're trying to protect their own position. Sure. And um, is that uh, is that big? Is that a big way of thinking? No, of course not. Sure. You know? And that should change, in my opinion. You should listen because you're all in it together. And in in a smaller version, uh, I uh, like when I was mid twenties, I just realized because I, uh, early days I was like, yeah, okay, you know, this is my position. I have to uh, try to play and. I don't really talk to the manager. And then at one point I was talking to Arsene. At first I was scared to talk to him. And then at uh, one point I realized like, no, 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 hang on. So we are this team, we have the coach, he has his staff, we have the medical staff, we have Mr. Dean in the first couple of years around. I said, we should all work together. So I should 
really start opening up to the coach because we have to, so we are working together on the same target. So why, there's no reason for me to be scared of the coach. Why should I be scared of him? So that was the moment where I realized like, okay, hang on, you know, I would just ask him questions. I would just talk to him. Like, It's almost like you realize that your job is more than just doing your job. Exactly. It's, exactly. And it's, yeah. this is actually a common theme, I think, with the conversation we've had, we've had with Robin, whether it's writing down notes, yeah. whether it's going and seeing Arsene Wenger about the future of the football club, whether it is taking on board crit criticism from Louis van Gaal that you're going to leave Man United and, mm -hmm. and trying to retain your place there. The recurring theme, I think, is that there's a, there was a moment in your career where you realised you have to take the responsibility. Yeah. No one else is going to run your career for you. Yes, And that is what um, I did when I was about uh, 24, 25, halfway. And I actually had this chat last week, funny enough, seriously, with, with my son. So my son uh, plays at Feyenoord. He played against uh, um, Ajax under 14. He was on the bench. He didn't play. So uh, in the car on the way back, he was like a bit moody, disappointed, complaining a little bit about uh, others, about the coach, etc. And then I said, yeah, I said, but Shaquille, I said, you sound like a loser, you know, if you talk like this in a way, you sound like you lost. I said, you are blaming him, you're blaming her, you're blaming this, you're blaming everything. I said, but I don't hear one single thing about yourself. I said, winners, I said, they take control and they blame themselves and they look where they can improve. Yeah. And this is what you should be thinking about. So I didn't. Tell him uh, what he should think about. You should ask yourself the question, are you a loser or are you a winner? I said, for me, it doesn't matter. I said, I said because I'm your dad, the only job I have and uh, your mom has is when you're 20, that you're a good boy, that you're ready for life. You know, you can make your mistakes, you can do what you want. I, I love you for the same amount. It doesn't matter for me if you make it as a football player or not. I said, but you say that this, that this is your passion. So... Uh, you should take control of your life and stop complaining because it sounds like a loser. I said, then I don't mind. If you want to be a loser, be a loser. I still love you as much. <laughs> I said, I said, it doesn't matter for me. I said, but if you want to be a winner, take control of your life and stop complaining about others. And then I watched him train the next morning. My, my, my wife said, where are you going? I said, oh, well, I'm going to watch this session. Uh, two days later, actually, because they played on Saturday and Monday morning. So I'm there sitting cold, hoodie on, I'm looking and I see this tiger training, running, working. And I was like, ah, okay, okay. He realized he has to take control of his life. He's 13 now. That's the podcast that right there, by the way. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? That is yeah, it. Yeah. That is everything <laughs> high performance podcast is Parental about. advice and yes. everything. But did anyone ever have that conversation with you? Um, well, in, in like bits and pieces stages yeah yeah over the years um and yeah what i liked about for example Arsen is that he never really judged me you know it was almost like like a parent in, in a way um because my, my son i can it doesn't help if you judge people constantly if you tell them off and if you say you have to do this it doesn't work like that you know it's their process you have to you have to respect their process of, of your uh, kids or your friends and you can advise them you can um you can guide them for a certain way but in the end they have to make their mistakes they will make their mistakes let them make it and then they decide what they do with it you know but sometimes it's good to give them a guideline 
But Arsene as well. Arsene said, why are you not a top player? You're still not a top player. I said, okay, tell me why I'm not a top player. No, I'm not telling you. You have to find <laughs> out yourself. <laughs> you know? So I had conversations like that. He said, you have to ask yourself the right, the, the right questions. He said, he said, look around you. He said, you saw all these top players, but you're not one of them. Really? Yeah. And <laughs> your reaction can go two ways there. You can either... Yeah. deal with that and make make yourself a top player or and that then, can, that can then, break some people yeah and then I started to um, look at Perez how he played look at Jungberg how he made his runs look at Dennis look at Jerry look at Vieira I was thinking oh, he's right he's right I'm, I'm so far off you know these guys are on such a level that's where I want to go but he was not forcing me into it you know you had to find the answer I had to find the answers myself and isn't that, that is, brilliant coaching isn't that the art of great coaching so I think so too. Pose a question and then let like, you answer. Yeah, it. exactly. But that is the perfect way because you have to feel it. You know, if you see it or if you hear it, okay, it's, sometimes it can be enough, but most times it's not enough. You have to feel it. You have to find out yourself. You know, and along the way you can make mistakes, you can struggle, you can. But uh, in the end, you decide if you want to be a winner or a loser. It's your decision. Right. We're going to finish with some quick fire questions. Okay. Yep. What is the absolutely unacceptable behaviour? that you just don't tolerate? What's the one thing that really winds you up? Um, well, I, I think as a person, uh, it defines you, how you behave towards people you don't uh, think you need. You know, I think that is what, what, what defines, that is the status of a person, in my opinion. So, for example, if you're in a restaurant and you're arrogant towards the waitress, for example, or to, to the people who uh, help you, and you're one of them, then I don't think you're a good person, you know, or, um, especially towards the people who you don't tend to need. You know, if, you, if you're a good guy, just be good because you're good, not uh, because you think you might need someone. Or So what would you say, Robin, are the three non-negotiable behaviors that you and people around you have to buy into? Um, you have to be uh, polite. Um, you have to have manners. Mm -hmm. And that's, that, that is what I tell my kids. As well, but it's, this is quick fire. It's not really going well. It's quick fire. That's fine. <laughs> what are the, so what, what are the three? Um, okay, uh, politeness, manners, and um, yeah, desire to achieve. What advice would you give to a teenage Robin Van Persie just starting his career? Ah, uh, just relax. Just relax. Have a breather. Have a enjoy it. Enjoy, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the ride. Yeah. yeah. And how did you react to your greatest failure? Well, that's a difficult question to answer quick fire, right? What is your greatest failure? Yeah, good question. We have to find it out first. <laughs> <laughs> so many. <laughs> we'll come back to that one. Yeah. Are you happy? Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah, not perfect, but happy. Yeah. How important is legacy to you? Yeah, important. Important because I um, like the idea that, that I, I had an influence on some people along the way, like a positive influence. So uh, that is some sort of legacy. And not just related to football, but this is related to life, okay? What is your one golden rule to living a high-performance life? Try to live in one world that is um, very difficult, especially nowadays. Distractions all over the place. But uh, try to live that world what you choose for. Then you're, you're able to... Uh, compete at the highest level, you know, because you you tend to to mix it up and to 
be the best, for example, player you, you can be. And then, uh, yeah, but there's a nice party there as well. And let's, let's go to the party and let's do this and let's do that. You, you try to live in five, six worlds. Um, tr try to, especially during your prime time, during your career, try to live in, in one. It comes back to taking responsibility, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Have you worked out your greatest failure yet? <laughs> Maybe you just didn't have one, man. Well, let's imagine your son fails, yeah? Yeah. What would you say to him once he's failed at something? What's the best way to react to that moment? Because I'm a real firm believer that failure is healthy. Failure yes. is a good thing. Yeah. And failure, you should make mistakes. You should, um, I, I'm, I'm telling my kids as well, and I'm, we are trying to raise them very openly, and uh, we are, we're trying to uh, sort of send them the message that they can make mistakes, can fail, but that, you know, what, whatever they do, and my daughter, she uh, rides a horse now five times a week, and she's really serious about it. I said, okay, I said, you can fail. You can even fall off the horse. You can fall off, it's fine. But, um, you know, once you f uh, found your uh, passion, do your best, do, do your best, your maximum, give your maximum, whatever that is, then, then it's always fine, you know, and then you can fail or you can fall off as many times as, as you want, but do your best. Brilliant. Do you know what? That conversation was exactly what I hoped it would be. I really liked it. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Top man. Thanks, mate. Well, Damien, Jake, what stood out for you? Just this self-awareness, his saving honesty, both with himself and with other people around him, which I imagine can be quite difficult for people to hear occasionally. But uh, there's a transparency to what he was saying. I like the fact that he, you know, he's so he's so honest. He he sort of talks really clearly about when he wasn't in the right place mentally, like when he was a young lad and he struggled to kind of control his own temper and his own emotions. And to compare a young guy who got wound up on the football field to the point where it impacted his performances and exhausted him, compare that to a guy in his mid to late 20s who went into the office of one of the most famous football managers we've ever had in English football and gave him his seven points to improve the football club. It comes back to that conversation about responsibility once again and also someone who had got himself into a, a place of such confidence that he felt he was able to do that. Yeah, but and do it, it constructively. I bet it tells you also about football where they go, oh, well, he's a footballer, he's just a player, we can't listen to him. You know, maybe that's where things go wrong in, in the game. Yeah, just but again, one of Robin's key messages was about that curiosity. Keep asking, keep keep inquiring. Don't don't just accept your role. Find out more. Challenge. I look forward to seeing whether young Van Persie makes it in the game. Right, <laughs> <laughs> he's been given some pretty strident advice, hasn't he? But no, that was really interesting. Everything I hoped it would be. Yeah, phenomenal. Well, it's not often you get big names like Robin Van Persie talking like that, is it? That was pretty special. If you enjoyed it, I'd love it if you would subscribe, if you don't already. Um, even better, if you can leave a review so other people know what the High Performance Podcast is all about. I know life's busy, but if you can just spare two minutes, I'd be so grateful. Thanks so much to Finn Ryan from Rethink Audio. And do keep an eye out across social media for details of the next episode. For now, thanks a lot.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.